My language in college was C. C? Seriously, it qualified. With the program, a programming language mm-hmm. of C? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I learned sign language, but that doesn't count because you can't take a written exam in it for anthropology. Oh. Well, there you go. <coughs> that seems unfair. I have some follow-up. You have some follow-up? Yeah. Do, a, do you have any follow-up? I have no follow-up. Um, we got we we got an email from I a, did feel from like a listener. I forwarded you something, didn't I? Did you? Maybe not. What's your follow-up, dude? Uh, we, and th- this one I'm going to have to add the last name too because okay. we're going to link uh, to it in the show notes. But um, uh, this refers to our uh, uh, episode "Heart of Darkness" about the U.S. news mm. and world distorts. Um, that was the alternate title, which didn't make it because we didn't actually say it. Yeah, titles have to be said. That's true. Um, so, uh, Jeffrey Evans State got in touch with us. Wow. Um, who we mentioned on the show, he's done some great work on Indeed. it and is, and is in fact doing more great work on it. So he has, uh, three, um, three points he wanted to make. Mm. Um, the first was he was wondering, I had said kind of offhandedly that the, um, the various factors that go into the aggregate score for us news were standardized, put on a forced mean and a standard deviation, and normalized. And um, he was wondering if that were was really true. And and so I went back because you know I say all kinds of things. True. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. Yeah, you're not you're <laughs> not 100 percent reliable. <laughs> I think I'm very reliable. You're very sincere. <laughs> I don't think you're always accurate. Well, with these shows, that's the whole point of these shows. You know, I, you're right. You we do say your stuff. Best. We say yeah, we do our best. You do your best. Um, in this case, though, I think I got it right, or at least I was—I accurately—I um, uh, accurately uh, reported what was in the CETO article. Okay, and so um, I think we'll put a put a little uh, link back in the show notes this time. Wouldn't this be said in the U.S. news issue itself, where this the, these uh, scores and rankings, etc., are reported? Don't they have a little methodology section where they say this is what we do? I mean, I they, don't think it's elaborate, but I think there is something in they there. They do, but they may not use the word normalized. I'll look ah. back at that. I didn't look at it. It's in the CETO okay. article, and what he cites for the normalized thing just says normalized, and I assume that means put on a normal distribution. Mm-hmm. Some of these things are still mysterious, as you know. Uh, But he cites a telephone conversation that he had with someone at U.S. News. Oh. Um, But whether the most recent methodology has it, you know, I don't don't know. Um, And the second point that he makes is that we, you know, we cited his article and the point about reputations echoing U.S. News rankings. This is the idea that... um, when when academics rank other institutions, they don't rank them, but when they assign them a score one to five from like terrible to excellent mm-hmm. uh, for, for reputation, you know, the hypothesis might be that people's uh, evaluations in that regard are driven by past U.S. news rankings, right? So that there's some kind of echo effect. Um, and and so sort of stickily continues to reproduce itself. Exactly. Yeah. So Professor Stake, he's got an, a, a new article confirming most of what I said in the earlier article, he says. I have attached a copy, which, uh, but it's not ready yet. Um, um, we're checking the results, and he, he, he's pretty confident in them. It does not talk as much as the article you cited about the incentives for bad behavior. It talks mostly about the echo effect. Mm. Um, he says he's also co-authoring another article that talks about the choices students make when choosing a law school. Ooh. Rank is pretty important, as you know. Right. So in the show notes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a, an item for this paper, which I've read, and when it's released, we'll go back in and I'll put a link in. Oh, nice. As for now, it'll be a placeholder, so you know, eventually it'll cite. Uh, the third thing is, and this is very interesting, I think Joe mentioned uh, the need for a database. Remember, yeah. uh, if you recall, we had different solutions. Mine was uh, just freeze the rankings in place. Yeah, yours was a more Stalin-esque kind mm-hmm. of declaring a reality to exist forever. Right, 
Right. Um, I'm in favor of that. You, I, you, <laughs> uh, I, if I recall, you suggested some kind of cockamamie uh, database. Is that right? That was one of the cockamamie things I suggested. Okay, well, cockamamie dandy um, and, and uh, Professor. I also Stake, suggested a lottery for admissions. <clears throat> Jeff, Jeffrey Stake says, "I've, in a way, I've offered such a database uh, in the past in the form of my ranking game, which allows users to manipulate the data themselves. Mm. Although the output is still in the form of a ranking, and he gives a link to it, and we'll put that link in the show notes." Um, it's not up to date for a number of reasons, but I thought, but if I thought anyone cared about it, I might marshal the resources to enter more recent data. Hmm. Uh, so there you go. He says, great show. All the best. So nice. Uh, friend of the show, Jeffrey Evans Stake, uh, writing in with three good points and follow up to, uh, the episode that we let's, let's be frank about this. We almost didn't post this thing. That's true. Although we've, this is, we'll reveal another secret to our listening audience, which is that oftentimes Within a few minutes after finishing, we wonder how good it's going to be, and we think maybe it won't be good, and it turns out to be very good. So right in the moment when you're done, you don't necessarily... Thank you, Darcy. Thank you. You don't necessarily have... (laughs) She's totally into her role. She's like, (laughs) she's performing to beat the man. This is is for listener Van Hoof and Stampin'. Indeed. Who loves Darcy. Yeah. Darcy. More cowbell. Mm -hmm. Um, so (laughs) you don't, you don't necessarily know how it's going to be right when it's over. Like you're still in the moment. This is like class sometimes too. You walk out of a class and you're like, Oh, I don't know if that was a good class or not. Oh no. I I always know. It's always, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it's a good class from the student's perspective or from your perspective. Uh, That's a whole nother ball of wax. I got to admit my classes are always bad from my perspective. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you sort of wonder like, oh, is that, is that, was that any good? So yeah, after that episode, that was hard. Thank you, Darcy. That yeah. was hard because it was, um, we were both down afterwards. It yeah, was a downer to talk about the U.S. It's news not rankings. a happy topic to me. No. Cause it is, it's like a what bad. What do you mean? We're winning. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, a little, bad... that's a little preview of our guest today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad tool for measuring a thing you probably for measuring a bunch of things you probably don't want to bother measuring. That's not a happy situation. No, Speaking yeah, of Stalin-esque. I mean, and, and the other thing I wanted to loop back on for that episode was that, um, and maybe I said it in that episode, but I just want to say it again. I, I'm not, it's not the rankings themselves that bother me, right? I don't care. Rank the law schools. Any ranking methodology you come up with is going to have serious flaws. Because we don't exactly, you know, people disagree about what we're trying to measure. It can always be criticized heavily for not measuring something that other people think is important. And in a field like law, especially, there are just so many different things that people think are important. Those things are often contradictory. And so any ranking system is going to be open to attack. Well, Uh, the U.S. News rankings, and you guys probably covered this, but since I don't know how to listen to podcasts, I I have not listened to it. Um, (laughs) Part of the problem is it takes these discrete items like it's got sand and dirt and grass and then water and it pours mm-hmm. it in and what you end up with is mud and you can't really pull apart what's in there and understand it instead all you have is mud and the rankings are mud we took a pretty deep dive into it and, and you might be surprised but sand and dirt are actual <laughs> are actual <laughs> descriptive statistics used in right. the right, quantity yeah. of aggregate matter quantity <laughs> um but that's H2O. that that is that is indeed part of the problem is that you know they, you measure several different dimensions and these are kind of average and put together in a more or less arbitrary way they try to put more emphasis on things i guess that that they believe would matter more to law students or to I, whoever I they perceive um, the audience to be. So, but I, like I said, I think, and and Cito's study is somewhat damning for 
just the reliability of the rankings. Like even if you are trying to do the kind of thing they're trying to do, he shows how movements which should, uh, at say the bottom end school can affect all the other schools in ways that no one thinks they should. Right. So there's a certain kind of reliability problem that he identifies, but even setting that aside, I don't, you know, ultimately I don't care about the rankings. It doesn't matter. The, the problem with the rankings, uh, is that it is that they affect behavior by law schools. So if Stanford was ranked number 120th, you would have still gone there. Well, (laughs) that's my problem is it does affect behavior, right? I I, right. I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I right now the rankings are treated by a lot of people as very, very important, right. right? But it's hard to figure out, like, would Stanford's reputation be the same if it were ranked number 120 by some random magazine, right? Right. I mean, we live in a world where Stanford is ranked, what, either two or three, I think three now, I don't know. Uh, somewhere in the top three so, every Somewhere year. <laughs> in the top three every year, uh, but I think always either two or three. Um uh, we live in a world where that is true and where the school has a very good reputation for right. a number of things that it does. Um, so in the world where it had a very low ranking, would it still ha- have the reputation? There are certain echo effects that come from right. the, the U.S. News and World Report, but um, you know, that's impossible for me to tie it to, to right. disentangle, really. I would like to think I would still have gone, but you know, if it were ranked 120 and everybody thought it was a bad school, but in fact they did exactly the same things, like would the same profs be there? Um, would other students like ultimately you want to go to a place where they're going to be stimulating students and stimulating professors and you want all that to happen. And maybe the rankings are, so my point was that just freeze in place the rankings and then people get to do when you're on top and then people can no i i I mean i don't care i I don't care i look i teach i teach at a certain law school i think it's like broke into the top it's always around 30 it's 30 plus or minus five or something like that right and so rank us at 50 i don't care right but freeze it and then we can start to focus on it then we can experiment instead of experimenting with how to you know, go up or down in the rankings. And I, again, I think it makes more to sense clear, to get rid of them entirely than to freeze them. But this is your conversation from the other week. Yeah, this is the yeah, conversation from the other week. And, and, yeah. and I'm not saying that, you know, and, you I can't, and my point was you can't get rid of them because they fill a need right. that's genuine yes. and sincere and that people have a real interest in being able to learn information and comparison shop about where yeah. they want to go to school. I, I use Especially them. given the, the, the amount of money that's involved in making that choice. Right. And my point was that if the, if the rankings, if, if the rankings are inherently unreliable, so that the movements up or down are more or less random with respect to the thing with respect to the things that people care about. Right. Read the CEO then, paper. Right. Then <laughs> if, if that is true, then freezing the rankings in place provides no less information than mm, allowing them to move, right? Good because point. the movements are random. That was my point. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. See, this is getting sad again. <laughs> It is. So let's talk about let's something talk about else. Eggs. Let's talk about something let's happy. Talk about something. It's it's almost the Easter season. Have you noticed how the displays in grocery stores are now including like chocolate and bunnies? Oh yeah, there's and, white chocolate peanut butter eggs. Right. Oh, see, there's a perfect example. Best thing ever. So what better time of year than to talk about eggs than when there's the Easter bunny and the Easter <laughs> chick and the Easter chick. Right. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. What do you right. mean? Say indeed, indeed, indeed. So do we? We've got a guest today, Joe. We do. Uh, and uh, Lisa Milet. Her name is Lisa Milet. Um, oh, but by the way, if you want to be like, um, if if you want to be just like Professor Jeffrey Evans Steak, email the podcast. Oh, that's what great. he did. All yes. the cool kids are doing it. That's right. 
uh, oral argument podcast at gmail.com. What was that again? Oral argument podcast at gmail.com. All one now, word. Oral to, argument? Oral argument podcast at gmail.com. That's right. And uh, no funny business, no no periods, no dashes. No, it's just, just oral argument podcast at gmail.com. Because yeah, we don't play games. No. No, we don't play games. Just, no hyphens, no underscores. No, none of that nonsense. It's all one word. It's all one word. Um, and, and, and let us know what you think. Also, rate the show. On iTunes? Right, if mm. you're going to give it five stars. And uh, and review the show. We got another review. We did. Yeah. Let me. Um. I, I mentioned this last time. I mentioned this last week. Oh, I will. So it's I will, the same one we had last time. One more bit of follow up before we before we get into Lisa's stuff, which okay. is um, I think you know, which is about eggs and Easter Bunny. Yeah, I think this week is the sex show, and next week is the drug show. Is that right, yes, Joe? Yes, you're right. This is not the sex show. This is all about children without. This sex. is about without sex. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, we had a, a listener, uh, listener Alan, who we've talked about before. Oh, yes. Right. Fan of the show. Yeah. Uh, big fan of the show. Um, he would love for us to have a live feed so that people could tweet at us during While the show. While we're doing the show, yeah. He's hungry for more interaction. Huh. Hungry for more interaction. Wait, doesn't but, he have a job? Listener Alan does indeed have a, a job. And... Um, he stands astride the world like Colossus. He can listen when he wants. Yeah. yeah. Well, anybody can listen when they want. You know, put, put, up, put in some headphones. He's, uh, he's a captain washing... industry. He's a, he's, he's a, he's a giant. Among while you're washing the dishes. Sure. While you're commuting on the but train. While you're driving thing. in the car. You know. What's that? This is the live thing we're the, talking about. Yeah, the live thing. Yeah. Right. Right. You shouldn't do that in the car. Why not? Mm. Well, don't tweet back if you're listening yeah, you live. I encourage all the listeners to listen live and tweet. While and listen safely. Yeah, tweet while driving. <laughs> no, no, maybe not. That's not real. This is this is not real. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna end this segment. Of the we, gotta show. <laughs> we gotta cut all this out, right? Yeah, no, don't, don't worry. <laughs> Are you? Um, okay, let me hit record here, and we'll start. Okay, we're not gonna have a we're not gonna have a live feed, are we? Uh, probably not. Probably not. But you know what? We could do if if listeners would like it. We we could maybe record. Maybe once a year or something like that in front of a live studio audience. Oh, that would be so good. Yeah. And, could, and our fans could come and oh, they could yeah. ask us questions. But you know what? You don't have to wait for that, fans. You can send us an email and we'll and we'll talk about your issue or question on the air, as it were. Yeah. Live. So it's live for us. Right, exactly. Yeah. And we'll feel live to the listener. Totally. Because it'll be the first time they've heard it. Right. Um yeah, so we'll have to we'll think about more ways to engage our audience. If you've got ideas for that, just uh, get in touch. Okay, let's turn to the topic for today. Let me just, like I said, let me start recording. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? You ready to start the show? Yeah. Okay. The Easter Bunny. <clears throat> what about the Easter Bunny? I don't know why I'm so obsessed with that right now. It really just hit me like a like a thunderclap bolt thing. When is Easter? I don't I have no idea. Yeah. So- All I just know in the grocery stores, you can't move five feet without hitting some easter themed item right so the topic for today hobby lobby (laughs) neither a hobby nor located in a lobby discuss (laughs) (laughs) no i think deceptive advertising i was gonna write a blog post about this today actually and i haven't didn't i didn't get i I got so engrossed in reading about lisa's stuff that i didn't have time to do it yeah i don't think we're talking about the hobby lobby we're gonna talk about hobby lobby later though right we're talking about bedrooms which is a different kind of hobby lobby Ooh boy <laughs> I love doing that ooh boy that's a Hodge, that's a Hodgman trademark that I've appropriated but um okay Lisa um we're gonna talk about tax law a little bit but don't worry listeners 
You remember, you remember the time? <laughs> That's going to offend me. Well, say tell them well, not to work. Let's, let's be honest here. There's a segment, you know, which might find tax in the abstract a little bit boring, especially around tax time when people just. That's wanna, only people who don't understand. They want to do anything but think about tax. But remember when we talked about banking that time? And people that was banking. fascinating. People are like, banking? That sounds boring. And guess what? They were wrong. Totally wrong. Yeah. It was Marissa Barad around. She was our guest, and it was awesome. Impossible to be boring. Indeed. Yeah. Um, especially when she's talking about banking. Yeah, especially she agreed with me that Joe is a monster. But we'll get to that later. <clears throat> so, Lisa, um, this is not just about tax. This is about the tax treatment of uh, people's bodies. Well, about proceeds from their bodies. We don't actually tax their bodies themselves. Hmm. Should we? Well, topic one, <laughs> <laughs> it would be a new revenue base for the government. I have to say, so, so, um, it is, you know, there's all this research about how, uh, people who are judged more, um, attractive have higher lifetime earnings. Right. Should we tax them based on their attractiveness? Well, they're, to- they're getting taxed more if they have higher lifetime earnings. So in effect, they are being taxed on their attractiveness. Boy, that doesn't seem fair, does it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a whipsaw. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the proceeds thing, um. So Let, let's cue it up. Let's cue it up. So, so uh, I want to ask about hair. Oh, okay. I just, I'm curious to know, cause I think this is a, this is an example where, or, or a, a question and answer that Lisa will give us, um, where I think it's not as charged. Right. Emotionally. Right. Um, but I know that there are, um, there are wigs made of human hair mm-hmm. and the human hair for that, those wigs comes from humans. Mm-hmm. Of course, and um, some. I guess you could donate that hair, or you could sell your hair. Mm-hmm. If you sell, if you have long hair, you cut your hair, you sell it to a wig maker, and that wig maker gives you some money. Right. What is the tax treatment of that money that you received from the wig maker? Because it seems like you owned a thing mm-hmm. and you sold that thing in exchange for money, and that sounds like income. Right. I, I don't think that. Anyone on the tax side of things would uh, disagree that that's income. Okay. The question then is what sort of income it is. There's so there different- are two questions you can break out. First of all, is it income or not? And then right. if it is income, what kind of income? Right. Because we tax different incomes at different rates. Exactly. So that's why you'd want to know. Right. Okay. And and why is it not just... Ugh. <laughs> why is it not just what? That was a nice sound. <laughs> um, why? So... Uh, People might think that the basic question, and I think this is not the basic question, and we're going to go into it, uh, is, wait a minute, do you own your hair? Is is hair property like anything else well, that you Well, that's sell? one of the questions. Can right. can your body materials be property? And so right. in many ways, the question of how we tax these things is simply a doctrinal question, which is not all that interesting. What's interesting is that underlying it is our understanding of what we are and what we can be. Can can we be property and can parts of us be property? Right. Um, and if so, can we own that property ourselves right and if it is if parts of us are property at what point do they become property and that's kind of the right so it's like we've we've chosen so we got to raise income right i mean we've got to raise money to fund civilization right right Right. and taxes taxing is that's the name we give to raising the money from citizens in order to fund our civilization and the way we've chosen to do it is by taxing well, a bunch of different things. We have just pure property taxes. Uh, we have uh, income taxes, although we haven't always had an income tax. And the, the, a whole bunch of different ways to we've do it. We've got transfer taxes. We've got sales taxes. Right. And these, so however you choose to tax, um, uh, whether it's on a transactions, it's on, on so-called property, or it's on uh, you know work that you do, or it's on stamp, you know whatever it's going to be, 
inevitably you're going to run into these kind of categorization problems where someone's doing something or they have something and say, well, that's not quite the thing that you're, that you mean when you've written this law saying that this is taxed, right? right. And it, so is that the kind of problem we have here, which is, uh, let's start with the hair. Uh, the stuff you've been talking a lot lately is uh, donation of human eggs. Um, or but, sale of human eggs, depending on how you want to call it. Well, they, they, they call them donors. <laughs> yes. I mean, they, so we'll talk about why they do that, but, um, but let's, let's keep on with hair for a second. So, so I think what Joe's question reveals, uh, or, or, goes to for me is is that in you know how do we understand that thing with respect to the particular ways that we've chosen to raise revenue to fund as i say civilization what do you mean how do we understand how do we so how (laughs) how do we tax it like that's the question so so uh you know you 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 sell your hair Mm -hmm. right and that thing that's that's an event in the world right right whatever else you know uh, however the law interacts with it the person has actually physically cut their hair delivered it to someone and has received cash right right the question is how does that event in the world meet up with the ways that we've chosen to raise revenue right and that the ways we've chosen to raise revenue involve a bunch of categories Right. right and i think question is somewhat difficult because this doesn't seem it it seems in some ways to fall into one category in some ways to fall into another category right but then lying on top of all that is this question of well how should we think about these hair transactions is that a way that we want to raise revenue but just in terms right. of the categories right this is uh you know one way you can think of hair is like property right right and what's the other way though how, how well, does it fall between categories a, another way would be looking at it as services you're you have produced the hair you're like a a worker in a factory right right you are you're just laboring away you produce the hair mm-hmm. um and so you're selling your services when you sell it as a hair grower right okay and so that that would be one way to look at it and that's actually the worst possible tax treatment <laughs> Right. Uh, if it's if it's a service category, uh, you're going to pay ordinary income tax on the proceeds, and you're also going to pay self-employment taxes, which are 15.3 percentage points on top of your income tax. Right. Because as a hair grower, you're in business for yourself. Exactly. No boss. And so when you, and this is uh, I think this is the convention uh, among you tax types. So you say worst because you mean it's the thing that withdraws the most money from the taxpayer. Exactly. From a taxpayer okay. perspective, and uh, I from a, from the perspective of the state, they might right. think it's actually the best. That's true. I'm definitely um, looking at it seeking from revenue. a taxpayer okay. perspective. Uh, so a different category would be say, well, it's property. This isn't a service. Come right. on, we transferred a thing, right? And this is traditional property. And under state law, we have certain rights that attach to our hair. Those are rather unproblematic. I could cut my hair and give it to someone, and that would be a gift of something. I could have my hair left to someone under my will, and that would right. be a transfer I could make. Mm-hmm. And so if under state law, the thing being transferred there are enough rights that it rises to property level, even if we don't call it property, then perhaps and, and it's the states property. get the states get to define property. The, sta- the, the states that's, get to define that's tradition, right? The states get to define the rights that something right. has, and then on a federal level, we look at it and say, well, are those enough that this arises to property? So it for might, federal purposes, right? It might not technically be property under state law, but if you right. have enough of the strands of property, right? We can we will still treat it as property for federal right. purposes. So it's a combination of state and federal. We look at the rights under state law, but the categorization then is for federal purposes. Are we going to make this property? Right, right. So and, can, can I ask about that? So that when you say enough of the rights, so you mean things like we would look to see if, for example, can you sell it? Can you give it? Can you exclude someone from using it without your consent? Right. And if the answer to all those questions is yes, it seems like it's the sort of thing that 
that you would, for federal law purposes, call property, because that's what the other things you call property are like, too. Exactly. Okay. So two quick clarifications. I mean, uh, one, as just a basic matter, I'm sure all the listeners know this, right? So property is typically taxed at, what, the capital gains rate, well, which is a lot the- lower, right? Once it's in the property world, yeah. the default categorization for all property is as a capital asset. Mm-hmm. And so a capital asset is meant to embody things that we we buy and keep for investment reasons. We right. have for investment purposes. There's certain categories of things that are explicitly not capital assets. What would be so, an example of a capital asset that you think most people would be familiar with? Stock. Securities. You buy shares of stock in Apple. You're not a trader. You're just an individual buying shares of stock in Apple. That's a capital asset. Okay. Are there physical capital assets? Uh, like, uh, what if I bought, you know, a cord of wood and I just wanted to make sure that I could either use it in my fireplace or maybe if my neighbor needed some, I could sell my neighbor some or what it, would that is, it, is this a hypothetical or are you seeking actual legal advice? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to get something closer to, because a stock, it sounds very abstract already. Right. Now, most, tradable security to me sounds very abstract. J- Joe is right. Most of our listeners are heavy into the corded wood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so if we can answer Bastard. some practical questions for our listeners. <laughs> we're talking about hair. We're talking about eggs. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about something. We're getting close to something tangible is what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, things that you, you have not for business. You, you're not holding it for a business purpose. It's an investment. It's oh, a um, So maybe selling it to my neighbor, that sounds more business-like. Well, if you're selling it regularly to your neighbor, then it's probably inventory, which is one of the exceptions from capital okay. asset treatment. Okay, cool. Um, but your house. When you wow. sell your house, we're talking about a capital asset. Excellent. So, And capital assets are taxed at preferential rates. The maximum capital gains tax rate currently is 20%, which is lower than our maximum ordinary income tax rate on services of 39.6%. Right, yeah. Percent. And we've right? chosen this because this is the easiest way to make richer people richer, right? That's our, isn't that our <laughs> that is really writing the goal. policy? Yeah. yeah okay. I mean, who's, who, who's writing the laws? <laughs> right, yeah. Um, so just to plug in, you know, as an aside to the obviously ongoing political debate, and this was a big issue in the last presidential election, um, there's a dramatic difference between um, uh, the uh, that you just mentioned between the level of taxation on capital assets and ordinary income like most workers make. And that's assuming that you hold the capital asset for more than a year. Okay. Um, if you hold it shorter than that, you have a short-term gain, which is actually taxed at ordinary income rate. So the first division is between services and property. Okay. Services get the higher tax rate. Okay. Property then potentially gets the slower tax rate. There but are ways to kick you, you out of it if you don't hold it long enough. Right. If you're churning stocks or churning houses – you're going to get kicked into the services yeah. tax rate. Okay. Um, if you if you fall into one of the enumerated exceptions to capital asset treatment, um, such as inventory you hold for sale in your business, right? Um, that's going to kick you into ordinary income tax rates. Right. Uh, but with respect to, let's say, your hair, you've been growing your hair out, your your beard, you're growing mm-hmm. your your facial hair <laughs> out for more than a year. Right. You're letting it grow long though, so you've still got the hair there from a year ago on the end. Yeah. When you cut it. What's your holding period? Now, wait a minute here. So so this is an actual question for me. Because as you know, I, I, I just shaved my beard a few weeks ago. I heard rumors. And, and, ra- and raised some money for the, for the law students. Now, a few years ago, as I think I mentioned on the show, hmm. um, uh, I, I'd done this once before. Four years ago, I think I shaved my beard and, uh, at, the, at the auction. I do this live on stage. Raise, it's fun. Raises some money. Uh, and they sent me an, uh, like a tax form uh, inventory <laughs> thing, which... Which noted that I had donated the uh, Turner beard shave and had like columns and everything, but they didn't fill in any values. Right. 
Now, if I raised a thousand bucks from shaving my beard this year on stage, uh, mm-hmm. and and that's a property, does that help me? Can I can I deduct that? Sorry, you can't. You have no basis in your hair unless you spent unless you invested certain amounts to make it grow, and you could show that it was purely to make it grow to make a profit off of it. Yeah, that, that's what I your did. Your basis is zero, so that's exactly what you. Can but deduct. but if I did invest in all kinds of products, and um, yeah, this was a lot of work growing that beard. Well, work as in service work, or work as in expending money on it. Oh, work. all kinds of internet research, uh, all kinds of products. I was, this was a, it was a labor of love, but, uh, but it was labor. It, and, uh, no. So, so the answer is I could not. Because that's another reason why all of this distinction matters. You can get a charitable deduction for a donation of property. You don't right. for a donation of a service. So let's get to the other. So, so we've covered kind of the, the, ta- the differential tax treatment between things which are clearly in the property camp for purposes of federal law, which piggybacks right. to some extent on state law and, um, and services, which is what services, you know, it's like most people's jobs. You but go and truth, you do a job. But the truth is the categories are never quite as nice as of that, course. right? So I have my house right. and I do some work around there. I put in, I built, I put in cabinets. Mm-hmm. That's my labor, right? Right. When I sell my house, I'm sure that my price on my house is going to be higher because of this labor on my cabinets. Oh, way higher. Right. Way higher. Yeah, so I've seen those cabinets. Yeah. So that 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 extra price is attributable to my labor, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But come on, I'm selling a house. It's a capital asset. Okay. And so we we all the time we actually have these sort of distinctions. Is it service? Is it property? Right. And we make calls about it. Right. And a lot of them seem unproblematic. Taxing my return on my house as a capital gain, seems pretty un- unproblematic. Now, as a tax lawyer, if I want to argue one or the other, do I do what you just did and said, yes, it's this, but come on. Is that the, are those the magic words, <laughs> come on? That's exactly the language the IRS <laughs> usually responds to, come on. Come on, come on. <laughs> so I want to go now to the to the property thing, because, um, I, and we'll stick with hair, even though I feel like, you know, we're beating, uh, we're kind of, you know. Here's the problem. Are you going to edit this at all? Huh? Oh, oh, um, I, I haven't even started recording yet. So yeah, well, I'll edit all this out. Don't worry. It's a liar. <laughs> um. I don't know if there's a body of law on hair itself. Honestly, that's not something I particularly have looked at. So hair is slightly problematic just yeah. because it does get sold. Right. It, it isn't an icky category like selling sperm for, or for eggs most, or, for most people. or embryos. Right. Uh, the thing. And yeah. so. I don't know. There's, I'd rather, there are some embryos I'd rather be around than some people's hair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. Hair, there's a wide range of but, hair quality. Here's, but here's what I want to say, Joe. Do you mind waiting one second? I don't mind. Okay. Um, just on the property point, and and again, the fact that we're not experts and there's stuff we don't know about this that does not stop us a single <laughs> minute from talking. No, no, of course not. We'd have no show if we waited to Indeed. become expert on stuff. No one would. So, uh, you, you know, you teach property. I teach property. I've used this this kind of hypo before. Um, uh, Let's see if he actually knows property or. <laughs> no, the answer is no. All the three of us no. have taught it, actually. Um, that's true. We're all property professors. Oh, that's right. You have taught it before as well. Yeah, not, yeah. not recently, but yeah, twice. Okay, so I put this question to Joe. No, I'll ask this hypo where, uh, where um, like, there's a. Fa- I, I think one one time I put on like a practice exam or something, a, a problem where there's a famous astronaut who's uh, gets his hair cut at the same place, and then surreptitiously they kind of take the hair. You know, this is shortly after the moon landing or something. That surreptitiously, they take the hair and gather it all in a bag, and then they sell it on eBay or something like that for mm-hmm. a, a bunch of money. So, you know, it's a kind of a relic because you know how people are. They like right. relics like that. Um, isn't far-fetched at all, actually. I mean, you, and you then, can imagine people selling beetle Like, the Beatles slept at my hotel. Here's the pillowcase. Oh, there's, a, mean, lot of, there's creepy, a lot of disgusting but, stuff on eBay. Right. Yeah. And so, so the question, the property question is, 
technically, I guess, is, is there, um, has the barbershop converted? Have they committed the tort of conversion, right? By stealing the hair. It's just, that's the tort version of stealing, um, among other things. Or had the person whose hair been cut abandoned? Did it they abandon that, it? Which means like right. committing the physical act of, of, of leaving it with the intention of either not coming back for it or of letting someone else take it. I mean, so what was the intention? Or was it never property in, in the in, original person's hands in the first instance so they can't possibly have a conversion? Right. Anymore? And you might look at all kinds of different theories for why you would or would not want to treat this as property, which is subject to the conversion towards to the abandonment theory. And, you know, the student, the students could cite like various non-commodification theories about body parts or they yeah. could cite you know, various kinds of economic analyses to say it should be. So, uh, um, I don't know. Do you have, so maybe we should start there just at, at the baseline property understandings. Like if, if this were just an abstract state, you know, mm-hmm. not citing any particular state's laws, because we're not competent to do that. Uh, but is, uh, is hair property to begin with? The distinction I make in my 2010 article when mm-hmm. I'm trying to draw out uh, questions about the tax treatment of these materials is while it's attached to someone's head, no, it's not property. It's part of them. Right. So the unexcised body material is not property. Mm-hmm. I argue that at the point it's excised, yeah. it is potentially property. And then I distinguish between gratuitous and uh, commercial transactions, which is the more questionable part of my analysis, frankly. But so I would say at the point it's removed from his head, it it is potentially property. And unlike the spleen cells in, for example, the, the famous uh, case with John Moore when he had yeah. uh, his cancerous uh, spleen removed and then the hospital did research using the cells that became extremely valuable. Yeah. Um, unlike that case where the court held that he had no property interest in his cells. Right. Um, I think the focus there was about not damaging the biotech industry. Yep. I don't think we have a similar concern with respect to barbershops. If we decide yep. that our astronaut had property interests in his hair, he had the right to keep someone from taking it. Yep. If we decide he had that property right in the first instance, we're not damaging the whole barber industry. It doesn't all fall right. apart. So I don't think we have the same concerns there where we would say he had no, he could not own, he, yeah. he could not have property in it. The fact that the barber was able to do was able to sell it on a market. Markets do not determine whether something's property, but can indicate what sorts of rights come along with things. Right. It seems to me that there are enough rights with respect to that hair, at least in the hand of the barber and the person who buys it, to be property. And unlike the Moore case, there's no reason for the astronaut not to have been allowed to have property rights. So I would say in your hypo that uh, the astronaut could sue for conversion uh, in at least. Well, that was states. kind of the part, that was one of the points of the hypo was um, uh, was to it you know to to drive home the fact that there really property it, it, there's no such thing right property is just a shorthand term for a bunch of you know this is a kind of a Hofeldian um, understanding of it a, a more realist understanding of property and there are a whole bunch of people who go kind of go the other way for various complicated reasons but the upshot is that property is just a shorthand term for a bundle of different hypothetical claims that could be brought with respect to a thing. All right. Now, if you think of that, it's like a, a convenient aggregation of a bunch of ideas. Then, then the question is a little bit different. Instead of saying, well, the answer is there's conversion if it's property and no conversion if it's not property. Right. Instead, the question is, well, should there be a conversion remedy here? Like, is there a wrong that the law should write? And um, maybe that the answer to that question is connected to 
other questions about what can and cannot be done with the hair and various policies, but maybe it's different. Like, so, you know, with, uh, with Moore's spleen cells, um, we might have a different view of whether he quote unquote owns, you know, his spleen cells, depending on just how valuable, uh, the cell lines derived from those cells are and whether or not we think he should share in that, uh, in the proceeds. I mean, there are all kinds of right. questions you have that would affect whether you think there should be specific remedies, but some that focusing too strongly on whether it's property, right, is, can be misleading in the sense that you're, you're focused on a, on a really abstract question that has nothing to do with what you think the right societal answer is to the question. So for the astronaut, like, are we just going to ask in the abstract, like citing Blackstone and everything else, whether, whether he owns his hair is that really a useful frame or are we going to look more closely at, well, what is the nature of this thing that he grew out of his head, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was then taken. What? How do we feel about transactions like that one? Right. What were his intentions? Does it matter? You know, that it's a much, you know, and it may not yield the same answer for hair as it does for fingernails or for eggs or for sperm or for blood or for right. all these yeah. other different body parts. And, and, you know, the of course, Blackstone could be interesting in, in as much, even on this line of thinking, for which, to which I'm highly congenial, um, it, Blackstone could be interesting to the extent that that book, or frankly any other book, talks about something interesting about human history and human experience that helps shed light on the way we might want to order relations among persons with respect to things. Right. So there could be in Blackstone, I mean, let's say you go to Blackstone and he's talking about, you know, the treatment of corpses after death and what that might say about well what what is the body when you die and who is uh authorized to dispose of it and on what terms and what are the effects that follow from that you want to do things like not have people uh assaulting each other because they're angry about how their relative was treated as a corpse i mean there's all sorts of bad things that could happen you want to have right. maybe, there's maybe the corpse itself is um a, a health risk if it's not disposed of and properly and quickly. The, that's where most of the corpse regulatory regime comes from, is from the public health. The public health risk. Yeah. Maybe so we should save also- that for a corpse show. <laughs> we should. Yeah. So but, Halloween. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's good. That's right. Um, but my my point is, there there's all kinds of. I, I mean, one thing that I think even old <laughs> law is good at is helping us remember the experiences we've already had and the insights we get from those experiences. Yeah. So there's a that's a healthy, to my mind, a, a a healthy way of thinking through. Well, this is what it says in Blackstone. I'm not reading that because I'm sort of I, well, I'm just going to do what he says because I'm a robot and he's the programmer of the robot. Right. Um, so it's more it's 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 evidence of kind of um, practice with respect to a certain class of social problems, and and that it may also be evidence of social expectation, right? Because uh, be that too, yeah. to the extent it's longstanding. Um, and then the question is, well, with this new category of things where there are not expectations, is there some use in that, in the wisdom contained in yeah. the common law or something like well, that? Well, I actually think the closest analogy, and we could look to for wisdom, is with something like a painting. So a painting is yeah. similarly both a thing and, and a, service. a service. And especially, let's say, a commissioned painting. Hmm. So I'm commissioned to paint you, and right. you get the painting at the end of the day. Um, and to me, what we can learn from tax law with respect to that point is that self-created artistic works are a specific exception to capital asset treatment. So they're property, they're in the property world, but they get kicked over to ordinary income tax treatment. 
Right. And this is interesting to me because the exceptions to capital asset treatment are narrowly construed. There are eight of them, and that's one of them. So it implies to me that because the human body materials are most closely analogous to something like a painting, we just need to have an exception to capital asset treatment written into the code to deal with human body materials. But that means that without that exception, they should be treated as capital assets. Given that the the approach interpret these exceptions narrowly, it's a it's a good idea when you're trying to do all these categorization tasks to have this default thing that catches the default basket that catches right. everything as capital asset. Right. And we take things out of it only selectively. Right. Here's my problem. Or at least that's the way we've done it. I've that's a, what I, we do. I've got a problem with this. And we'll move to the actual <laughs> example uh, now, the, the, the egg donation. The eggs. The, yeah, the egg donation or egg sale example. But um, I understand with respect to, say, the astronaut's hair, why we have maybe a difficult question to answer when deciding whether to find liability on behalf of the barbershop for conversion. Like either they are liable or they're not, right? And you've got to decide that question. It seems to depend on what people's expectations are with respect to their hair, um, what we want repeated instances of that transaction to look like, whether we want people to have to disclose that they are going to do something with the hair, whether we think people expect, you know, all those kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. So I understand we're going to have to answer that question in some way. And that how we answer that question affects whether we think more generally of hair as property or not, right? Where the right. word property is somewhat indicative of whether it has those characteristics of other things which are typically tradable and excluded from and everything else. Um, but I have a harder time. Uh, so with a tax code, um, that doesn't seem to be a distinction that we have to make. Like, why do we treat property and services differently at all. Like I would, you know, uh, let me, let me, my naive proposal. One, freeze the law school rankings in place. <laughs> right. Uh, number, number two, mm. Joe should flash his lights to warn people of speed traps. Oh, these, are, these are my simple. Yeah. It's a crime against humanity if you don't. Oh my God. I'm now a war criminal. <laughs> Monster war criminal. I mean, I've come in for heaps of abuse on this topic. And I want to thank Christian from the bottom of my heart. For raising this so many weeks ago. <laughs> it's just, it's I think y'all are jackbooted thugs. That's it's, what I think like of all of you guys. It's like the door open for the person behind you. Do you just slam it in their face? No. You you are nice, I'm sure, and hold it for the next oh, person. Don't be, so, don't be so sure. Don't be. <laughs> it's just a common courtesy. It is a common courtesy. We'll get back to that because I do want to get your considered views on, on speed trap <laughs> law before this thing is I over. now don't because now I know what they are. <laughs> um, but then my third proposal is get rid of the... Um, uh, distinction between capital gains and services. Well, my proposal would be... And tax wealth, but that's a different issue. We'll I believe that money you earn should be taxed at lower rates than money you don't earn. That's my starting point. And so yeah. service... Because you don't in, want to discourage people from working to earn or because... Because I think working to earn kind of sucks, right? I mean, you, you're you're giving up a lot by doing it. Okay. And you're investing your body. And even though we don't take account of it, we're destroying our bodies frequently through our work, even our work as professors, carpal tunnel eye strain, weight gain, all the things that come with, you know, sitting at a computer for oh, my body, my body's a mess. It's been, <laughs> but, it's been ravaged by years of professor. <laughs> and, so, and, and so treating I, that... I just respect labor. And so I say <clears throat> that money you actually earn should be taxed at a lower rate okay, than, well, than money I put in my bank account. And that, is a, that is a potentially great topic. Um, but that's beside the point. For well, day. let's just let's take the halfway point. Let's compromise and tax them the same, right? Then no, no, no. That's that's your answer. That that's not a compromise point. That's that's your okay. proposal. But, 
Ugh. Oh, I love the red flag. That yes, just got right. thrown so, here. That so was she's, awesome. she's, I've been found out, but, um, <laughs> uh, but if we did, so let's just say, suppose my proposal were as it should be accepted. And, uh, <laughs> then would this matter? So that whereby this, I mean, the specific thing that you've been writing about on the faculty lounge blog and, and elsewhere. Uh, and that is, you know, so people, um, uh, namely women. <laughs> donate, donate their eggs, right? Uh, so-called donate their eggs. And they receive considerable money for this, so $20,000, $30,000, something like this, typically, right? Per, per time, uh, if they're doing it under the guidelines for the uh, American Society for Reproductive Medicine, it's not going to be more than $10,000. However, on private markets outside of, uh, outside of those uh, clinics, it could be any amount. Okay. It's whatever two people agree on. Okay, so th- there are obvious questions about how to, re- you know, whether we should regulate this industry, um, whether the... Um, Harvesting of eggs is is safe. Whether there are adequate disclosures, that you know, there are all kinds of legal questions you can ask around uh, these kinds of services and how to think about them. Oh, you uh, just one call them question. services. <laughs> well, there, You're there using is using loaded yeah, language. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Uh, but one uh, one question that is perhaps unavoidable is to the extent money is received by the person who get hands over eggs. I'm trying to use. Yeah, they don't mm-hmm. physically hand them over. Maybe that's loaded language too. Um, from whom eggs are retrieved right. like how should that mm. be taxed right if they receive money how should that money uh be taxed and one so one thing you might say so first of all if if people adopted my reform <laughs> as they should and and property and and labor are taxed the same does this does this question even matter or do we still have a question of whether to think of these as like money which is compensatory and therefore not income at all uh or money which is uh uh, compensatory for labor. We would have to try. Services. We would have to be able to convert the idea of basis and the idea of deductions into comparable things, right? Yeah, because basis is one of those tax words. I, I, I kind of glaze over. What you pay over. for something, roughly? Okay, what you pay for something? Yeah. What, you, what you initially pay for something? Plus any additions or subtractions later. So, on. so if it I buy, can be adjusted. So if I buy a house, right? It's my basis is what I paid for the house, and then if I did any modifications and improvements, I could add that to my basis. Exactly. Is that right? So can we okay. use chicken eggs? So if I buy if I buy a dozen chicken eggs, oh uh-huh. boy, can we? <laughs> <laughs> if I buy a dozen chicken eggs at Earth Fair, and then I turn around and sell them to someone else for the same price I paid for them, right. I have suffered neither a loss nor a gain, right? Because your sale price is the same as your basis. Um, and so you have no gain or loss. No, if I sold them for twice what I paid, you have I, I've got a gain and it's right. equal to what I paid since it's by twice. Right. Okay. So when you say there's no, when someone says well, there's no basis in that, what they're trying to say is there's no, um, there's, we're not going to recognize you as having put money into it right. at the moment when you sold it. Right. That you get back tax free. So it's starting at a zero. Any, in other words, anything, any money you get for it is, all of that is taxable. Yeah, and as a starting point, nothing basis in everything is zero. You have to prove what your basis was. So you have to keep records of when you bought the house, what you paid for it. Um, so if you can't prove basis, you don't have basis. Okay. And so if you can't prove basis in uh, your hair, you don't have basis in your hair. What if I could prove that um, I had for for the eggs or the hair or the sperm or the blood or the whatever. I mean, what if you come, you get to your IRS audit and you've got the receipts for all the food you ate that year, and you've got your receipts for all the home heating you paid for that year. It's got to be things other than what you need for your everyday life. And so the the folic acid you took to make sure that your eggs were higher quality before specifically for it's that interesting, reason. Interesting because that's of a- possible to. It kind of assumes, I mean, this is interesting, right? You say <laughs> there's everyday life. Yep. 
right? But wait a minute, I couldn't have grown the eggs or the hair or the whatever, the blood, without living. But I couldn't be a professor without living, so do I get deductions for everything I eat in my house? I don't think so. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't get to... I don't get a deduction. <laughs> 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 ah! <laughs> Got to cut that out. I need so actually, yeah, on, on the egg point, uh, when I wrote, was working on my article uh, on the tax treatment of human body materials, one of the things I did was I called That's the, linked up in the show notes, by the way. I, I called the IRS oh. and said- What did you call uh, Their helpline. Oh, okay, help. I called the helpline <laughs> and I asked them, um, how, how should proceeds from egg donation be reported? Oh, nice. And I was told that I would be transferred to the farm and agriculture unit. And I said, actually, no, I mean human <laughs> eggs. And they said, oh, well, then I'll transfer you to charitable contributions. I'm like, no, when we say egg donation, we mean payment for eggs. And then they said they didn't know. Hmm. Mm. So, okay, so. Uh... So we could treat them like chicken's eggs. And in fact, there is a uh, one ruling by the IRS that analogizes at least uh, human milk to uh, honey from bees and eggs from chicken and milk okay. from cows. So any basis you can prove, you can claim. Yep. But other than that, um, uh, you, the, what's taxable is the money you get for, for uh, handing it over. Yeah. As a good. Right. As property. But you don't have basis in services. So there's a little bit of conversion that would have to take place if you're merging the categories. I don't think it's that problematic, but... Um, yeah, I don't care about I would have to think through of, it. Of, 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 okay. What? Well, so one one of the, we could start with the real world. I mean, that would be the other one option. of the sources of uncertainty here. So there, uh, there, as I see it, and you tell me if I'm wrong. There are two sources. You're probably wrong. There, yeah, well, <laughs> welcome to my world. Heard, heard that before. Um, not wrong about speed traps, but anyway, there are at, no, at least not. two sources of uncertainty here. One is: Are eggs capital assets? Or is the donation of eggs services? Or is it some unholy hybrid of the two? And then... Uh, um, uh, well, so, they, they can be property, but not capital assets. Well, the second question is whether they are, uh, whether it's taxable at all, whether this is a, a donation of thing or not, uh, or if it's a thing, or if it's You're a, referencing the notion of getting money as uh, from a tort action. Like or someone, someone hits or, me with their car, they, get, they pay else. me, that's not income. And this or, the, or something else. I mean, you know, so if I, if I see, um, well, you might think of it as just like I'm giving up some of my life energy to help someone else. But that's and, true and, when then, we teach. and then I get well, but it's also so if if I'm on my way to something important and I stop to save some money and pull them out of the ditch, right? And I, and they they give me a, a reward, which is a gift, right? Um, they give me two hundred dollars for stopping and saving them. Um, is that is that two hundred dollars for life services rendered? It's a it's a gift, right? I don't pay taxes on a gift. They they might have to pay. Or gift it's an tax. award or prize, in which case it's income. Well, which is it? Right. So <laughs> I don't know. You're going to have to get an I mean, income in tax. E- in each, I'm that. using my body. In each, I'm using my body to help somebody, mm-hmm. and that person is recognizing that and paying me money. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so well, the starting point is any amount you receive is going to be income, unless it's unless a gift. We ex- unless it's excluded by another section of the code. Yeah. And gratuitous transfers are excluded by another section of the code but the question is with your with your good samaritan act mm-hmm. was that person paying you truly just uh gratuitous right or was he compensating you for your action 
And how, how do we and know honestly, the difference? And honestly, $200 isn't going to show up. Nobody's going to report it, so it doesn't matter. Oh, is that right? <laughs> I Again, I have to modify. I have so many modifications to my tax return. You were, you were saying, you brought this up because you were talking about sources of uncertainty. Right. As if to suggest that you thought we could make progress on these matters by reducing some of the sources of uncertainty. Well, first of all, just trying to understand why is... Uh, Egg donation. I don't, I, and I'll just use the term egg donation because I think that's what you guys used in the faculty lounge. Yeah, thing. this is and, actually what my next article is on is how that's so confusing and just messing everyone up to use that by the word donation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So but let's just use that without any, without even thinking of it as a donation, but that's the term okay. everybody uses. But um, to understand why this seems to be a hard problem in tax, I think it's helpful to distinguish the several sources of problem that arise. And it's not just one. It's not, you know, there are multiple. And if we can pull these strands apart a little bit, I don't well, know if we'll I, be able would, to make progress or not, but at least we'll identify, we'll be able to identify what, what it is people are fighting about. As the, as the initial point, the question is whether or not the amounts received in return for the eggs are in fact income. And I don't think on the law professor side, at least there's any debate about that. Everybody says they're income. We all start from the same point. The interesting thing though. Well, what about my good Samaritan? Okay, okay, go ahead. The interesting right. thing though, is that there is, uh, there are suggestions on egg donor websites, on message boards and such that if you get audited for not declaring the $10,000 you got for your egg donation, what you do is you respond to the IRS and you claim that the amounts received were in exchange, were damages received for, uh, physical injury. Yeah. You I, gave I something saw up. This. Yeah. And so. I mean, that sounds stupid to me. I mean, it's right, a matter of law. Except that the right? IRS has been closing audits on that point. I have no idea why. And I have no idea why just this year, in the, in the last year, there's at least two tax court cases about egg donation. There are no recorded tax court cases about egg donation ever. No so, no court cases about the taxation two. until these two. I'm wondering what happened. Did one IRS agent sort of flag the issue? Do they know what's going Has on? Has there with ever been donation? a case where like there's been a sadist who like really wants to hurt somebody and know. someone volunteers to be injured by the sadist in exchange for money? Uh, and then and then claims if it's in exchange for money that sounds like income. Well, but is it? I mean, so uh, in other words, what I ask for is what I could have gotten in a tort action against you for doing the same but thing. But you have to actually be giving up a legal right. It has to be damages received. So it has to be the release of a legal claim, which is why this makes absolutely no sense that. The IRS would close the audits on this point. The only reason I can see them closing the audits are one, they just realize there's no money to be had because the money's been spent and, you know, they can make, they can send the taxpayers into bankruptcy if they want, but that's not that useful. Or two, my, my uh, real bet is that so many auditors have looked at the issue of tax donation and women's pain and suffering from reproductive issues and just been like, I am not going there. I do not yeah. want to have a conversation about women's reproduction and that there is now some agent who has been through the IVF process, has uh, interacted with the donor community, or just is not squeamish about talking about female reproduction, yeah. and is flagging this issue. And this is in this most recent case that you're talking about. Yeah, the, this the is the Perez court, case that we're going to The tax court up. heard yeah. the case, uh, Perez versus Commissioner, in January. And the question is the whether or not $20,000 the taxpayer received in 2009 in exchange for egg donation, whether that's taxable income. And the tax court on its own has raised, if it is taxable income, what sort is it? Right. The two, um, the two questions that we've been kind of right. prodding um, But there's a second case. An attorney in South Carolina contacted me after he saw the faculty post blogging to tell me he has a similar case. Also huh. a woman who sold eggs multiple times is being was audited in one year. It was closed when she responded with the information about pain and suffering. And now she's being audited for a second year. And that has gone... To the court, it's it's something the IRS is not settling. Um, 
Well, she might have. Now, going forward, this is an important issue, but she might have like an estoppel claim, right? I mean, well, as to no. the closed year, no, you don't. Yes, to the closed well, year, if, if, if it well, only if the statute of limitations has run. Oh, okay. Um, no, 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 no. What I mean is that if she was audited, they close the audit saying yes, we agree with you. No, they don't say that. They just close it. They never say you're right. They just close it. They stop pursuing it. Well, but still, that they did something which led her to believe that it was yeah, okay. But there are also look. There are tons of cases about. Um, a, that's estoppel. Well, it's a stop. Well, not against the government. There are there are cases um, that in uh, court of federal claims and the federal circuit and others where there uh, government contracts. Because all kinds of cases that say you can't agents of the government can't stop the government yeah. from making a future claim. It's just not estoppel even, isn't viewed the same way. Even as a criminal matter. This is not a criminal case. Okay. Well. Okay. So maybe they can get taxed this time. All right. All right. I'm convinced. Um, I'm so convinced. so it, it is amazing to me that the uh, this is not taxable income defense has worked apparently a number of times because I can't find a tax professor, at least, who thinks that that's even a credible claim, but it's been working. So I'm wondering what changed that these are going forward. Right. Um, but what, what, what seems is incredible is, is the claim that it is not taxable income because it, in fact, is compensation for a tort. Right. Well, uh, or, it's or, not or necessarily a tort. It's, it's, it's compensation yeah, for pain and suffering, which is tort-like. For right. And so that, that, seem, that seems not credible. And and your theory for why maybe they've gone along with that is because they haven't wanted to deal with the issue, and this is an easy way to make it go away. And right? there are plenty yeah. of jobs that, that to, to your earlier point, there are plenty of jobs, and we would certainly treat the, the money received as income, the taxable as such, um, where people... Your job is in, is enduring unpleasant experiences. Football so, players, professional football players. Come great on. example, but um, and uh, slightly biz- more bizarre, but I think um, equally fun. Ooh, example. here we go. Yeah, um, just a boing boing posting today by Cory Doctorow about this guy who's an article about this guy whose job is he's a food taster for pe- companies that make frozen foods of various kinds. So, and what they're hmm. doing is they're they're um, they're basically focus group testing all these different possible recipes uh-huh. most of which are awful <laughs> and they have to have people taste them to figure out which of these you know is the least you, awful you've seen those pictures of the uh, um from decades ago of the women smelling men's armpits oh yeah <laughs> right. you know and on Men episodes right. we we definitely have right. all the secretaries in the office so this, like that <laughs> right so the, but my point is that it, in in the process of figuring out which of these things is the least bad everyone with their eyes open knows they're going to the room to experience bad things right. they're trying to find the least bad thing so there, a bunch of things are going to be the worst bad thing. <laughs> no one would argue that that's not income that they're getting. Right. No one would say, oh, you're, but that's like getting a, an award in a tort suit. Right. Uh, so that's just ridiculous. So I, agree. I, I think that this, I mean, like, like I'm, you know, even without being uh, an expert, and again, why should that stop me? Um, uh, it seems clear that this is a, a really dumb claim, right? Uh, I don't know that it's really dumb. I mean, because it has succeeded so many times, I think that... I'm not saying it's dumb to make it. Okay. I'm saying it's dumb to think that it's correct. Right? Uh, I mean, it, if you it, focus on it long enough, you should realize that this is not an appropriate is, way to well, think about it. Just, it doesn't. It doesn't make logical sense. However, I'm not so willing to say, um, or at least I'm not convinced yet, that the claim that this is not taxable income in general is dumb. Just that this particular ground is dumb. What ground would you put it on? Well, if this is uh, the Good Samaritan one. But that's not what's being done. There's a contract up front where they agree to specific schedule for payment. You get fifteen hundred if you make it this far. You get two thousand if you make it that far. You get ten thousand if you make it this far. Okay, so that that where the ten is for the eggs get successfully retrieved. You go through the retrieval, even if there are no eggs. But of course, they've been monitoring um, this the, the whole time. But okay. you go through. It's, it's you go a, under it, general anesthesia. They send the needle up there, and at that point, you're entitled to ten thousand dollars. Okay, so it's a contract with milestone payments right. in it, and um. Okay, so 
it seems clear that uh, that that one, you know, if that, it, and that's it, pretty standard. That's yeah. all of them I've seen. So if if um, let's suppose that we that that um, you know we leave behind the pain and suffering thing, and so the IRS clearly comes down on the side that this is taxable income right. when there are contracts like that. Um, could it be possible to shift to a regime in which eggs are truly donated, but then families routinely make ten or twenty thousand dollar payments ex post, but there's no contract? And and maybe there's even some oral communication. So there's a, probably in a lot of these cases there might be an element of fraud. So that, yeah, that sounds like tax fraud to me. Yeah, why would that be preferable? No, I'm not saying it would be preferable. I'm saying what would happen in that case. So if in fact there were just a standard I think it would understanding, fall apart because I think that people that the intended parents have no reason to pay once they have the eggs, right? If they're not required to, so the women are not going to go through this, and maybe you'll get paid at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Even the trust me. Yeah. So you think that th- that would not be sustainable? And I also think that there would be a collapsing of the uh, of the steps if this was if it was regularly done that it regularly came through this way. At that point, it's a bargain for transaction. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the sale treatment or the service treatment, whichever you think it is. That, that seems right. I just I, I'm not as I'm not necessarily convinced that people wouldn't fi- find a way around it. I'm if, sure if, lots if, of people are deceptive about well, it. Well, no, I mean, there's obviously just like in any other area, clear tax fraud. But what would we do if? And maybe you think this is so unrealistic because the market couldn't sustain it because there wouldn't be the appropriate mechanisms of trust. And if you put in the appropriate mechanisms of mechanisms of trust, you have contracts, and then you have the clear treatment. Um, so, so maybe you think this is not possible at all. But if it were the case that there were a standard understanding um but not memorialized in any way uh that eggs would be donated and then there would be a customary payment of 10 or twenty thousand dollars afterwards in thanks and appreciation for the eggs um then that's a little bit more like my good samaritan on the side of the road thing where you get a 200 dollars reward would, would the tax would, would that be taxable income just because of the amounts and how customary the payments are or, or it's clearly a murkier tax issue well, in right? some instances if it if it isn't income in some instances you're going to get into the gift tax world then um because there is a gift tax the, the, and which is which is assessed on the people who give the gift right. not on the recipients right. right but the amounts in question are large enough that that could come yeah you could trigger right? i mean there's fourteen thousand dollar annual exclusion so to the extent right. the gifts don't exceed fourteen thousand dollars so you're two hundred dollars and you could give 14 one year and 14 the next and then there's a lifetime maximum you could i, I don't see how the market sustains itself i don't see who goes through three months of i mean three weeks of daily injections and then a general anesthesia and uh possibly compromising her own fertility in exchange for you should get paid. But understanding the tax treatment, I mean, uh, you might think that um, because it is an ongoing thing that after each day, boy, you seem to have suffered a lot today. Let me give you $1,000. And then the next day, boy, that's that's a lot of suffering. We really appreciate what you're doing for us. This is so kind. Here's another $500, right? Well, that still wouldn't be damages. There, There would have to be a legal claim. No, those would be gifts. Like each day, right? You go in and you uh, and you undergo this. Uh, you can call whatever you can call your checks from UGA gifts, but they're not. And what you're describing is not a gift. They're progress payments. Hmm. Hmm. And the and the lack of a writing in advance seems to me to be irrelevant as well. Yeah. If it's accepted in this field that you do these acts and you get paid. Yeah. money after those acts by a person who sees the acts have been accomplished. Right. If, if it's enough that people That's not will a enter, gift. if it's enough that people will enter into it, then we've got income. If it's not enough, even if there's no legal entitlement, 
See, that's that's but what I thought is. was the I mean, standard. If you went into a court and you said, look, there's, the, I, I, the I'm making a practice. claim in, what is it, quantum merit or whatever, benefit yeah. received. I mean, they even, actually even do if we have, money. Even if we have a written understanding in the beginning that this is a donative gift. You can call things whatever you want. Yeah, I think you'd, that doesn't I think you change wouldn't the want to run the system that way. We look at the substance of the transaction and ask what actually happened. Yeah, that, and that's, see, that is our central difficulty in these cases, right? We're trying to look at the substance of the, of the transactions because if we tax things based on substance, it doesn't distort as much people's activities, right? Because otherwise you go along, your job becomes driving along the highway and finding people who are over by the side and helping them out. That, that's, that is my job. That's the second job I have. It, it uh, did you file, file your well. proper consulting paperwork for no, that? No, 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 I, I haven't. See, this is, I mean, actually, I think the one thing I was thinking about when you guys were talking about the $200 that the guy at the side of the road had, I mean, the thing that popped into my head was, a, a, and I have no idea if this is true or if I, or if I even believe it, but what popped into my head was, you know, when when someone needs help on the road and someone might stop and help them, I think the best world is a world where neither of them is thinking about taxes. Like, I think the best world is someone thinks that person needs help or the other person thinks that was great that right. you helped. I want to thank you. Right. So, so creating a world where a lot turns on and that's How actually we, gratuitous. That's the whole problem in tax law, isn't it? Because the, but, the, but, the but best world about, is where no one ever thinks about taxes, except for those taxes which we intend to influence behavior. But I'm, what I'm saying is the spontaneity in that... I think you're thinking of spontaneity. The spontaneity <laughs> in that event. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, something passed yeah. up on the mic. Mm. Um, it's Darcy's fault. <laughs> it's, it's always Darcy. The, 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 I'm surprised you didn't flip me the bird. The though. unplanned nature of this is... Uh, and. It, is in part facilitated by saying, well, when it's that kind of event, that sort of unplanned, in the moment, very quick, fast event, let's not worry about the tax junk there so that it can just be what it is going to be in that moment. Well, unless What's it's very a big different. enough transfer. I mean, if, if the in-the-moment payment is $20,000, we are going to worry about it even. Even I if suppo- it is spontaneous because that's a gift and that's in the gift tax world. Okay, uh, fair enough. And I suppose I can understand the reason for that. Um, but... What's very different between that and the egg thing is the egg thing has none of that right. random moment. It just took a second quality to it at all. But it still has the question of whether we want through tax law to affect people's behavior with respect to egg donations. And w- and if we do, how we want to affect their behavior. I think part of the interesting thing is that all of these contracts then write in that any payment is for time, effort, pain, and suffering. Yeah. So they specifically try to put it in the service world and perhaps to the detriment of the egg donor, to the detriment of the egg donor. And actually, I think if the clinics thought about it, it's the detriment of the clinics, because do either of you know anything about the line between independent contractor and employee? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the clinics completely control the egg donation process. They tell the women what time to take their drugs. If you don't take them at the right time, you're cut off. What drugs to take? They give them the drugs they take. They show, oh, so them, these women are they show them how to take the drugs. No, they should be doing no. they schedule in office. They are independent contractors with detailed specifications. <laughs> the, amount, the amount of control the clinics exercise over these women, I think, makes them effectively like a seasonal worker. It's it's a short term employment mm. agreement, but I think for that short term, they're actually employees, and so the clinics should be withholding self employment right. tax. If this is in the service world, they should be paying state. Uh, workers' comp and disability sure. insurance payments. Sure. And these things should be available for the women to claim on if they get injured. And right now, none of that is happening. I don't think there are any, I don't know of any clinics 
that claim the egg donors as employees. And so I think even the clinics should be questioning whether or not they they want this categorization. And I think the reason they're doing it is this donation language distorts what we're doing. And a lot of people think that it's illegal to sell eggs. Right. It's not on the federal level. And in many states, it's not. Because they're not organs. They're not organs. Um, And a lot of states ban the sale of eggs for research purposes, but are silent about the sale of eggs for fertility purposes. And so... Certainly it's illegal to harvest eggs for the purpose of making a human-alligator hybrid. Yeah, I think that we would fall that. under research yeah. currently. Maybe once we get farther along. I I, and in fact, uh, some statutes talk about banning the sale, uh, banning compensation for eggs for uh, uh, cloning purposes. So, so what, that, that would right, that be right, a yeah. hooligator? Hmm? Would that be a hooligator? No, I think you're thinking of an alamin. Ah. Alamin. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the tax treatment right now of commissioned paintings? <sighs> Do you know this? We'll, we'll cut this I don't, if you don't. This is actually one of the questions I raised on the blog as far as I'm not sure. It might be a moot point just because self-created artistic works are an exception to capital asset treatment. And so I don't know if the commissioning makes a difference in that, whether or not it's still – I suspect that it still falls under property. It gets kicked out of capital asset treatment because there's a specific exception. Which means and, it's treated as, as – ordinary so income. So let me, let me try to make this – Let me. so I'm going to make sure I – Tax higher rate. Yeah. I'm a bit of a dummy, so let me let me try to say this in a way that makes sense to me, and and tell me if I'm right, uh, uh, just to translate. So if I We've am, already had this conversation. He's not right. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I just want to clarify. Uh, uh, I just want to know as a matter of positive law. So if I if I um, am, am an artist and I make a painting and I sell it to someone and I receive income, mm-hmm. uh, I receive money for that. That's treated as income tax, right? Well, it's all income tax. It's ordinary income. Ordinary so it's income. Tax yeah, yeah. Ordinary or, income tax rate, which means the higher rate. For yes. most people, uh, as opposed to the low Mitt Romney rate, right, the, yeah, right, right, uh, capital gains tax. All right, so <laughs> to put uh, a political spin on it, well, no, I mean most most of his income is taxed at a much but lower rate. But it's actually taxed at lower than capital gains rates. I mean, wasn't his effective yeah. tax rate like twelve percent or it something? Might, it might 8%? have been. It might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, um, it's taxed as ordinary income and not uh, an asset. Correct. Now, not if someone capital. buys the painting from me mm-hmm. and then they resell it. Right. Right. Then that's treated as a capital gain because they have a basis. They have right. what they paid Unless for. Unless they're it. a dealer. Like if you stole, if, if you as the artist sold it to a gallery that then resold it, um, inventory uh, is going to be an exception to capital asset trainer. But if you, uh, capital asset treatment. But if you is, pay is it taxed it, as ordinary income? I buy it yeah. from you. It's ordinary income to you. I'm just a collector. I resell it to Joe at some point. I. I assume I make money on it. Um, but that would be a capital gain then between the amount I get from him. And your basis is, is what I paid you. So the and, gain is measured, uh, but it has to be in excess of what you paid. Right. Unless it's some kind of illusory, collusive sale, right? I mean, yeah. So, okay. So, all right. So that, that I mean, if you sell it to me for a dollar so that then I can turn around and sell to him uh, for much higher and convert it all into capital gains and I give you the excess, that's not going to work out. That's going to be fraud. So most of the time we, so most of the time that we as individuals make something and then sell it, it's treated as ordinary income, even if that thing that we create is thing-like, right? Even if it's property right. rather than service-like. Right. Um, but the specific language of that exception doesn't allow eggs to be re- read into it. I don't have the language we, in front of me. We, but we, language of what? What are you talking about now? The language that provides that treatment for the things you make and sell. Right. Doesn't that, that, allow that accept egg. them from capital assets, you mean? Right. Does okay. not allow it to be read to incorporate in things like eggs. Or hair. 
right, blood. Right, 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 right. Lisa any is, she's materials. hesitating. She's not an expert in hair law. I yeah, think I have to say that one is... <laughs> If you see hair speeding towards you, <laughs> do you flash your headlights? <laughs> I grab it and sell it. Um, Ask questions later. I, I mean, I we've been going for a while, so I don't know how much longer we're going to go. This is fascinating, and we could talk about it for hours. But I'm, but I do, um, I do feel like uh, part of what's going on is that someone somewhere is worried that treating this egg retrieval process as a straight up routine, you know, a uh, uh, work resulting in a sale of an object, right? Mm-hmm. Um, isn't going to attract either as many people to do it as, as many women to do it, or, or maybe the women they want to do it or believe they want to do it. Um, that this uh, part of the, what was interesting to me in the Perez stuff was this testimony where, or or a quotation of hers in one of the articles or whatnot, where she makes the point, look, I was trying to help somebody. Right. So what what can draw some people to be egg uh, sources is that feeling like they're helping somebody. Well, that's actually This required. is your thing about the road, the guy on the road, right? So that's actually required for egg donation. Part of the screening purpose screens for altruistic reasons. If, if a woman comes in and says, I just want to make a lot of money, she's going to get turned away from being an egg donor. Yeah, and this is, this is odd to me that... Um, uh, or that's not odd. Yeah, but that, I th- want to think more about it. That because- would be a part of a job interview at a lot of places. Like, are you here? Are you applying to our startup because you just want to cash in on stock options when we go public? Or do you actually want to change the world? But nobody but- asks guys when they're donating sperm. It's also odd. Well. It's, also <laughs> odd. it's also not what you would ask if... Um, if you're 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 going to uh, the farmer's market and you're buying zucchinis, you don't ask the person who runs the zucchini stand, you know, are are you in this just to make money or are you in this to feel really good about the fact that I'm eating healthier food? I mean, it's just, it doesn't. It's bizarre. You wouldn't think it wouldn't occur to you to yeah, ask. But you ask job interviews all the time. And just to turn this, that's into- different. Someone's working with you over the long yes. term. You're trying to build a community and a relationship in addition to having them perform a service for for money. No, but, and no, and no, for no, what no. it's worth, I've gone through the screening both to be a plasma donor, which mm-hmm. is a paid job. And to be an egg donor. Okay. And in plasma donation, you, you, nobody cares why you're doing it. Nobody asks you why you're doing it. Right. But th- let me test you for any problems. Can you flag any problems for us in terms of health? Let me put a needle now, in your arm. Let me give you a reason you might want to do this with, with, <laughs> with, with let me give you a reason you might want to do this donation, with egg donation. You go through this whole psychological test. Yeah. And- you tell me, so tell me if this meets up because I don't know the facts of, of how this works nearly as well as you do. So tell me if this makes some sense. Egg donation is not a one time, one day thing. It requires, among other things, for you to submit to a, ser- a, a somewhat lengthy series of like needle sticks and and presumably making sure that you stay healthy during the time of the donation. Um, someone who is just in it for the money, you know, if they need the money and this is the way they choose to make it, might be, you know, this is just a marginal analysis because you got maybe some donors to choose from. Uh, less likely to keep up with the regime necessary to stay healthy and donate eggs. Is that right or wrong? Wrong because they will end up failing as a donor. There's a lot of monitoring that goes on. So you do injections generally twice a day. Okay. Um, at certain times, because if you don't do them at the right times, your follicles aren't that produce the eggs are not going to mature as they should. Right. If your follicles don't mature as they should, you're cut off. You're done being an egg donor. They're not going to mm-hmm. move ahead. So there's actually 
a lot of incentive for people who care about the money to be very, very precise in what they're doing, because otherwise they don't get the money. I have another theory. It's to screen out people who they who who you might fear will later make some sort of parental rights claim. That is part of the concern. And there's also the, the sort of paternalistic concern that women are so attached to their reproduction that um, they – they ultimately have to have some altruistic reason for doing – well, first of all, we think women think about reproduction in such attached terms that we think it's abnormal if a woman doesn't have this this sense of connection. So we want to know why she's giving it up. The other is that we're, we think that they will regret it because women have such a sense of uh, connection to their reproduction that men don't have with respect to their sperm. And so – And that might – that too might drive a parental rights claim. Right. But and whether, so that is so part if, of the concern, and it's just mental instability. Yeah, but why, why is it not? I mean, it's, it's a difficult process for it's a woman to go difficult. through. Well, okay. So it's you, precise, but it's not that difficult. No, for a woman to go through, I mean, you, there are a bunch of needle sticks. Mm-hmm. You have to do you things have, at the right time. At the you right have time. to have uh, a vaginal ultrasound. Right. And if someone's for a while, four weeks? No, it's about three, two and a half, three weeks. And if someone's. The whole thing, start to finish. Yeah, well, you take the pill generally for a month first to synchronize your cycle with another woman. But that's just taking the birth control pill that. Is not really that intensive, okay. right? Um, and then you're then once your cycles are synchronized, you start doing the injections, and the injection period and through retrieval lasts about two and a half weeks. It would be unusual for this thing to take more than eight weeks, right? But uh, start to finish, right? But okay. how on you? So if if someone is just in it for the money. Uh, let's suppose, uh, are they not more marginally more likely after a week to say, you know what, this is not really worth it? Um, it's not that much. Yes, I, I think that would be right. Just at the margin. All, all, all that matters is at the margin. The same way in a job interview. But then they walk out like, and that's fine. Yes, you can fire them after a week. You know, so so why not why not just hire someone who says they're just in it for the money? And if they don't come to work with the right amount of passion and everything, you fire them after a week. Well, the reason you don't do that is because it costs money to train an employee and have them there, both in opportunity cost. You could have gotten someone else to do it and put the same uh, factors of uh, – production behind a different person and because they consume actual resources on the job. Well, the same with someone that you stick with needles for a week who walks out after a week because eh, this is, you know, I thought this is going to be quick, easy money. And in fact, it's more painful than I thought and I'm not really into it. Whereas if they have a sense that they want to help people that may, again, at the margin indicate someone who will feel a sense of obligation once they start down the road to completing the journey down that road to helping this person. That's possible, but I actually think the lore about how difficult it is is greater than how difficult it really is, and so yeah, people expect it to be far worse, in part because there, there's generally only about one or two bad shots, and they come later in the process. So so you think that the um, so the reason they inquire into altruism, then it's, it's not for tax purposes, and no. it's not to do what I said. You think it really no. is about worrying about whether the person will have negative... Um, We'll, we'll present problems down the road when it's time to give up the eggs. I, I think that's part of it. Uh, Kim Crawford, well, or when there's Duke, actually a human involved. Or, yeah, I mean, yeah, when yeah, there's yeah. a resulting child, and they will suddenly. Yeah. And uh, Kim Kraviak, or Kraviak, I don't even know how to pronounce her last name. From Duke, actually has an interesting, a couple of interesting articles about this. And she was also involved in that faculty lounge. She exchange. was. She's okay. the one who organized it. Yeah, yeah. Um, she looks at it in terms of what the the altruism uh, focus does in terms of the market. So the antitrust effects. Uh, that that get rolled into it, as well as from a feminist perspective, what all of this does. And she does a much better job of sort of analyzing what what the reasons for that requirement of altruism are. Um, I guess I know it a little bit more just, you know, from reading things, but not from studying it that closely. But we need to link to her things I think, as well. I think you this... need to link to her things. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. We'll link I, it up on the 
The spelling to me looks like it's Craywick, but I, I have no idea. I've I, never heard it pronounced, so I don't neither know. Neither have I. It'd be um, fun to have her as a guest, too. She would be great. Of course. And I, I feel like we've talked about this just enough to get confused about everything. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and in um, a seminar well, setting, that's usually the time well, to stop. That's right. I mean, well, no, it is. Um, you know, sometimes you have to get into something before you realize why it's hard. And yeah. I feel like. You know, there are all these complications. There's There are facts on the ground about egg donation that affect yeah. our views of it. There, are, Lisa's written this other really great article about um, how we even conceive of people's uh, um, kind of bio, the, the, their biological capacities, which could be property eventually. You know, this is, right. you know, are we are we factories for producing things of value or are we service animals? I always thought this was kind of like, you know, if you have oil underneath your property, but you like have a religious conviction not to use it. Like, is that right? We, we in fact, we do pay, we do pay taxes on that, right? Cause your property is more valuable right. and your property taxes. And now these are local and not federal. It's not like it's income tax, but it's, uh, we are taxed on that. And yet we aren't taxed on the, uh, on the potentials within our bodies to right. realize value, right? And this is actually so. While tax professors definitely agree that all of this should be ta- the proceeds should be taxable income, right. that's that's where the agreement ends. There are some who say this is services. The contract says it's services. Somebody's doing something. It's services. There's some that say it's property. This is a thing, and it's got property like rights. Um, you, and so this is property. And then once you get into the property world, there are some who say. This should be a long-term capital asset because eggs are in a woman's body from the time she's born. So the holding period is more than a year. And then there are those of us who are right and say that this would be a short-term capital asset (laughs) since the holding period begins when it becomes property and it doesn't become property until it's removed from your body. Well, let me – let's – all right. So we don't have much more more, time to talk. But I just want to hear – I want to hear your reaction to this because this is something I've been thinking about. Because what matters to me in the end is, first of all, how we choose to raise revenue. Right. And we might just decide this is not a very important source of revenue. We want people to do this for reasons other than tax and there's no right. way not to distort it. So just forget about it. Right. Um, but if to the extent that this is important enough, um, uh, you know, tax law can be used to encourage people to do things or to disincentivize them from doing things. And it can just be used as a neutral source of revenue. And when we think about like, you know, whether it's uh, uh, gold underneath my house mm-hmm. or, or oil that I've not harvested, again, I pay tax on that because right. my property is more valuable because it's there, right? Right. And we think it should, and we, we want to encourage making it useful, paying tax on it, but well, not that's selling a question, it right? you is know, a way. Well, Whereas with our bodies, I think we're ambivalent about whether we want people engaging in these markets. Right. And the ambivalence means that we're not sure what to do with like it. Like we don't tax people on their healthy kidneys, even right. though they could maybe be able to realize value for it. We don't right. tax them on the plasma they have, which they don't if we did, then people would ha- be encouraged would to, to, sell. to do it. Right. Um, but but think of it this way, but though. They'd be so encouraged to engage in exploitation of the resource. We right. also tax people on the farming potential of their property, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so if I have a nice, beautiful wooded area, and I like to keep it that way, but it it's could be a farm. Best use. It is, and so it's the fair market value, essentially, what other people would pay for that land, and what, and it's the the market value would be the value someone would put on it, probably, right? Although not always, uh, for extractive resources, not always, right? Um, but it's interesting, isn't it? Because the law allows people uh, to put into conservation easement their land, right? The law allows mm-hmm. you to sell the right to develop your land, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, to say... The Nature Conservancy. Another, yeah, a group which would then hold the right to prevent you from developing your land, and that will go into, per- into perpetuity. And that reduces the value of your land mm-hmm. and therefore reduces the tax that you pay. In other words, the law has built into it, right? Um uh, initially, an incentive to 
put your land to the highest and best use. Right. But then as we've come to think of the value of land as not just being in the exchange value of the resources that could be extracted, but also in the preservation value, we've chosen right. to put this kind of through the device of easements and really their right. covenants, but through this device, um, uh, we've chosen to allow people to realize the preservation value of it by not paying taxes. Mm-hmm. The sincerity um, test, interestingly. I mean, one right. way you could think of that, that uh, covenant is it, it fine, we'll give it that treatment, but only if you demonstrate the truth of your commitment. Right. It's very, it, you know, talk is cheap. So if we say, well, anyone who has a sincerely held belief that they would rather it not be farmed will get this preferential treatment. Well, everyone will just say they don't want it to be farmed, right. even if they would be perfectly happy to sell it to a farmer. Right. Uh, so we'll make you take this step that externalizes your belief in the form of an interest you can, you yourself cannot cancel. Right. Then we're willing to go. Which helps weed out the person who... You know, looks like they're holding on to it for environmental values, but it's really sitting on the land to sell yeah. to big, like real estate developers down the, down the line. The opportunists. Whereas, yeah. I guess with with body parts, maybe there's no need to make people enter covenants not to donate eggs because at the time, <laughs> most people don't decide to donate their right. eggs. Right? Um, pretty much 100 percent of men, from what I'm told. Yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, well. All men with eggs might yeah. might donate I, them. I don't if, know. If I had them, I'd donate them. But. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but we don't make Depends people do that. Depends on how you that. define man, I guess. That's right. That's right. That's a different show. Yeah. I people, mean, uh, women, we don't need to provide incentives for most people not to donate, right? I this think is what you're saying. Right. Easement. So we, we don't need to, to give do. easement, have women give easements over their eggs. Right. Well, essentially, we treat everyone as if they had a conservation easement on their bodies. Right. Right. And, uh, but we, but those conservation easements are not durable like they are, uh, in real conservation easements, right? I mean, Although I guess, you know, with a conservation easement, you could always um, buy the easement back, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and they can die like any other easement does, but you'd have to pay for that right, which includes, you know, so right. and anyway. Uh, so in a world where people could sell organs. Right. Uh, or can. eggs or they hair. Do. They can. Right. Um, but, it, okay, so let me rephrase. In a world where there were thriving markets in those things. Thriving legal markets? Thriving legal markets in those things with lots and lots of participants. Okay. A very high rate of participation, um, then y- you could imagine us taxing the value of those unexploited assets in the in someone's body who wasn't a participant because they could be they just not happen not to be, a- and you could imagine the easement mechanism operating in the same way. I yeah. mean, it's just it, a very the reason a, I'm saying this is it's a that's a very different world than the and, one. We're and that's in. actually something I deal with in my article because once you say that these things are property at some point, then the question becomes, well, are they going to be subject to gift tax, for example, if I give my eggs to my sister to use? Mm. So it's truly a donative act. Right. Well, there's no question of a deduction for it because I have no basis, but I have made her a gift of something valuable, right? right? So it should be taxable. And same thing with a corpse. Once you have kidneys and things like that able to be marketed, the question is, well, does that mean that we all have a taxable estate because the value of our body should be included in our estate? Can they really be used after death? Don't those things have to be harvested while you're still It's got to be immediately after. No, it's immediate. And we're mixing here too, and, and we're, we're just not going to have time. To, I mean, I right. think we need another two hours to make this At all least. clear. I think we all have thoughts in our heads, which we can kind of divide. But like we're, we're alighting the difference between things which are one-time sale type things and things which are continuously being right. produced. So it's like the oil well under your house, even though there's a limited amount of oil, is more like blood 
right? Whereas if there's just one valuable... Or it's like, very much like eggs, where there is a limited number, but that number is large. That number is large, right? So you could, uh, you know... It's supposed to hair, which you can constantly right. regrow. Right. Or blood this, plasma. I think this all comes back to whether I can deduct my beard shave. I, I do think that um, <laughs> one of the most interesting things I learned from doing my research for the 2010 article is that there are some people with extremely valuable plasma who can make $80,000 or more a year in 1980-something dollars selling plasma. See now that so uh, <laughs> now wow. let's uh, I keep, I keep wanting to end it but I keep having ideas so yeah we uh, need to stop well we do but here uh, one more thing. after this one one, thing. one more thing um, imagine that this uh, that someone had blood right and maybe even a few people um, which contained within it um, the, the um, non synthesizable cure for various kinds of cancer mm-hmm. so that this is not just eighty thousand but they could make millions mm-hmm. from this thing. Um, and, uh, should that be taxable? And I say you this, mean if they don't engage in a transaction with it, just because it's in their right. body, you see, you see well, what I'm asking. My very clear answer is no. Well, but, but, but the oil you're, under you're protected your, oh, the, by, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's the doctrinal answer. But what I'm, what I'm saying no, here is like, no, it's not. It's the right answer. Uh, well, here's the thing. <laughs> um, Tax law encourages people to do what we think tax they law should do. Tax law in the do. first instance doesn't want to affect transactions, only where it intentionally wants uh, to in affect the first, transactions. That's right. But So you're positing I'm, I am. A, an exception as opposed to the main I'm, rule. I'm positing that a lot of lives could be saved if this person could be induced. Okay, that's not about tax law. That's, that's, about, that's not about tax There's, law favoring making these things productive. That's about you having a policy that you want to get this thing out there, and you're going to use tax law And we law use tax law for it. that purpose I all the time. I think we the, do, but that's not tax policy that that that's policy that gets written into taxes right that's not about actual tax policy here's here's the thing here's the thing Hmm. that you'd really have to wrestle with in answering that question yes think and there are many things but here's one thing i think the value enshrined in the 13th amendment (laughs) um it suggests that there's something very problematic about insisting against someone's consent that their body the, the their their literal body be taken away from them and used for the benefit of others. Right. There's the whole uh, slavery. Now, that doesn't issue. mean there isn't a way to think about it that would get you to the result. You Although he's saying they'll just be taxed. I'm saying, have to wrestle I'm, saying when, I'm saying when the social exigency is extreme, that in fact we find ways to do that. The most so extreme is more. the draft. Of course. Right? I mean, and so there are all kinds of ways that, you know, Indeed. we do this and we don't think it's inconsistent with the 13, or at least we haven't thought it's right. inconsistent. And maybe that's the way to... And tax is like the gentlest way to nudge people. To make choices about things that they quote unquote own, right? Uh, and we do through tax law incentivize people to do this or that. Like the capital gains yeah. received in, uh, ordinary income distinction is a preference which some people posit has like a certain policy behind the policy of encouraging people to invest capital, right? Um, rather than you know, I guess work for a living. <laughs> uh, is that right? <laughs> Oh, so but anyway, they they um uh it, it, so it it does seem to me that um if you're looking for a gentle way to make sure that we save hundreds and hundreds or thousands of lives right. through this person's blood, taxing them is like the gentlest way to do it. Can we close with the observation that I just want to remind all our listeners that I'm the person who's been called a monster and a war <laughs> not Christian? How ironic! I'm not saying I would do this, but I would do this. <laughs> I'm just saying that that if the exigency were high enough, we would get to that blood. People would. Oh, I think that's true. I have no doubt of that. I'm not right. saying how, I'm not saying how, wh- whether we should do it. I'm not. You know, we can talk about that another time. This seems like another show. This We've seems got like, like six show. more shows already. 
if Joe had we've very, got the corpse show, we've got the yeah. if men had eggs show, we've got if Joe if Joe had very valuable blood that would cure a bunch of cancers, right? The question is, I do not. Should we should we kill Joe to get his blood? <laughs> that that's that's another show. <laughs> Can we do that one after the weed show? In the weed show next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to put this one back on the calendar. We'll have Lisa back, and we're going to talk about whether we should should go after Joe to get his blood. Hmm. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Sure. Thanks for having me here today. Hop, hop, Easter Bunny.